1: We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike, to tell you along with Charlie Long in studio and on our Oakland Jewelers talk and text line is the host of BetQL Daily and Odyssey Sports betting insider Eddie Gross. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to check out the BetQL Daily Podcast for more of Ed's analysis. Just search BetQL wherever you find your podcast. Ed, thanks so much for joining us today, partner. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing very well. Mid-December, so uh, just finalizing my Christmas plans, uh,
0: figuring out how to see the family down in Louisiana uh, in about a week or so. So really excited to get back to your neck of the
1: woods. Yeah, so how's the weather in L.A.?
0: Oh, it's uh, getting a little chilly right now, so I've got the heater on right now. But other than that, we're uh, we're all set, you know. Okay,
1: chilly. Uh, give me the temperature, man. Come on, chilly, chilly. <laughs> L.A. wise or chilly somewhere else wise?
0: But let's let's say like fifties, like give or take. Okay, uh, that, know, that ain't bad, man. 40s. That's, yeah, that's yeah. not
1: bad at all. Um, right off the bat, uh, Saints Giants. We've seen this movement continually rise with the Saints Giants and for, for a lot of people here is wait a minute what we saw on Monday night you know <laughs> that's a lot of points and uh, the Saints have not particularly played well at home uh, as of late but again the story's great uh, with, with Tommy DeVito it really is it's, it's you know listen it's manna from heaven if you were in the <laughs> PR department for the NFL, then had this drop at you? But eventually you find out. I had an old uh, uh, head coach in front of mine tell me, Mike, uh, they got a lot more one-hit wonders than they do longtime uh, guys that can write uh, music mm-hmm. in this world. And I think we're fixing to find out real quick on Tommy DeVito.
0: You know, it's funny. Uh, after all the Tommy DeVito news has uh, basically broken the Internet and it's infiltrated pretty much every channel I have on my TV, I did have to go through the wardrobe to see if I do have a fedora. <laughs> and as it turns out, I don't have a black one. I think I have like a, a gray one, almost looks like I'm a detective of some kind. I'm solving mysteries. I don't know. But I, I am interested, though, when it comes to uh, Tommy DeVito, if, if we're talking about like the mania, Will we see a Super Bowl commercial with Tommy DeVito and Danny DeVito? Oh, telling, say, some kind of I bet you would.
1: Point. Hey, that yeah. that's a good gig. Uh, on that's that, your, your thoughts on the uh, on the game itself? Man, six points, a lot of points uh, mm-hmm. in this football game. Uh, the Saints have had difficulties, and this is a high pressure team defensively. Uh, the Giants, man, they oh, yeah. come after you. They rush the quarterback. Um, you know, from a blitz standpoint, second most in the National Football League. Only the Vikings uh do more of it. Your thoughts on the game itself in the six points?
0: I always worry when it comes to say like this Wink Martindale defense if you're blitzing a little bit too much, if it becomes a little too predictable, especially say on third down when it's all about getting rid of the ball quickly and Certainly the Saints have guys in the short outlets and the checkdowns who you can go to if, say, you're feeling a little bit too much pressure. So in that respect, like, I think the Saints will know through some smart football how to nullify that. But when it comes to this Giants offense, when it comes to Tommy DeBito, I have some real questions about the overall decision making of this offense. One of the things that I did for the show this morning was I looked at the best and worst offenses when it comes to specific downs and overall decision-making. So, for instance, on second down, are you running the ball on second and ten or longer? Usually that's a bad sign because you're not really going to make it third and manageable unless it's some painfully obvious play. For the most part, you're making it third and seven, third and six, and that's not third and manageable. Like, that's still third and quasi-long, so that's a problem there. Then I also looked at, say, which quarterbacks are throwing short of the six on third down to where they're forcing their receivers to have to continue the workload in order to move the sticks, And so that tends to be a problem. And then who goes for it on fourth down, fourth down versus who gets conservative? And in terms of the bottom five in all three of those categories I just mentioned, the Giants are there. Like the decision-making is not that good when it comes to on-the-field stuff. Certainly with DeVito's, say, progressions and development, that probably has been positive. But I do wonder if when it comes to the decision-making, if all of these bad choices come back to haunt them eventually, and especially against the Saints defense where, yes, there have been some injuries at key spots. At, at the same time, you still feel okay about them. Like, it's not a bad unit by any stretch of the imagination. That secondary, good is good. The
1: yeah, secondary is good. The Saints secondary is good.
0: Absolutely it is. And I think you combine all of that, then I feel like this is a secondary that can force the Giants into mistakes and into some brand of conservatism where they're just not going to be moving the ball effectively throughout the course of the ball game.
1: Your thoughts on, because uh, everybody be scoreboard watching here, Tampa Bay Bucks, mm-hmm. Green Bay Packers, man, the Packers laid one out uh, Monday night. That was El Stinko uh, on their part defensively. Uh, now I was telling this to Bob, at the end of the game, I don't know what coverages they were in, but the Giants Mm -hmm. receivers, they were high school open. There was nobody within five or six yards of them. And DeVito made the throws, and I give him credit there. But those receivers were running free downfield. And, man, I I don't don't get it with the Packers because I know they got talent on that defensive side of the football. Sometimes they just don't play well uh, defensively. And Tampa Bay, they got to be the biggest surprise in the NFC from a standpoint of what you got – So far out of Baker Mayfield, they got some talent on defense and certainly two big time receivers with Godwin and Mike Evans. Running game, ah, matza matza there. Your thoughts on Packers-Bucks?
0: It is funny when you're talking about this Tampa Bay rushing attack that Rashad White has been largely inefficient. But then there was that spurt where you sort of made him a pass catcher, and then suddenly he was really, really good, and to kind of open things up. And so it is something where, when you're looking at this Bucks offense, it has evolved a little bit. It, it, for Baker Mayfield, he needs the rollouts. He needs to prove his athleticism. When he does that, then it's not a terrible offense. You know, have a guy in motion, things like that, not a terrible offense, but there's an obvious ceiling as far as what they're capable of. And certainly this is something that Saints fans know really well, right? Like, it's something – Tampa Bay isn't elite, but they do have Mike Evans, so that gets you so far. And Baker Mayfield isn't outstanding, but in terms of quarterback consistency, maybe it is there. But specifically when it comes to this game, like I will be looking at the injury report very carefully, and I will be trying to read tea leaves very carefully because I do believe that when it comes to Jordan Love, he needs everybody yep. to be successful. I he agree. needs everybody to be healthy. And most importantly, he needs Christian Watson out there that hamstring injury is going to be a big question mark. He really does need Watson out there. If not, then he is a completely different quarterback. But when everyone is out there, and I think the Packers have an outstanding offense, and so when it comes to this number, in a weird way, I'm still going to back the Packers. Maybe I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but maybe with a second week without Watson, they're able to make a few more adjustments and at least become a little bit more competitive. I'm also curious when it comes to a warm-weather team going up to Lambeau Field, obviously a cold-weather environment, how much does that matter at the end of the day? I think the Packers can cover this number. Definitely they will win outright. I feel comfortable saying that. The number is a little bit tricky. I would wait for more uh, information from the injury report before ultimately pulling the trick.
1: Ed, you, you made up a great point about Watson and what he means to this offense for the Packers. They look totally different without him. Uh, being able to throw the football. I mean, the other guys are pretty good players. But, no, he's a tilt-to-field guy when he's healthy. Now, the problem is, mm-hmm. uh, is keeping him healthy. But, man, he is a really good young receiver in this league. And they are totally different offensively without him in the lineup.
0: Well, there was a, a study on Twitter not that long ago from a uh, buddy of mine, Robbie Greer, who does a ton of great NFL work. And one of the things that he said was, When it comes to deep balls, 20-plus air yards down the field, that may be more about the receiver and his skill set than it is about the quarterback. However a quarterback does with 20-plus air yard throws, okay, fine, but I want to know who the receivers are. Because, like, look at the Dolphins, for instance. When you've got Tyreek Hill, that's the Tyreek Hill show when it comes to those bombs. That has a lot less to do with Tua. That has more to do with Hill. I think when it comes to the Packers, it's a similar dynamic. Jordan Love needs Christian Watson to blow the top off of any defense. And if that's not there, then all of a sudden you're forcing Jordan Love to kind of develop into a serviceable quarterback almost overnight. And he's young. He needs some time. He needs those reps. He needs game experience. And he's just not there yet.
2: And kind of looking at one of the most intriguing matchups, I think, of the weekend. And it's a line that's shifted a little bit. The Broncos at the Lions. Broncos, obviously, red hot. Mm -hmm. Winners of six, their last seven. The Lions kind of moving in the opposite direction, so to speak. Detroit's still four-and-a-half-point favorites at home. I think the Lion was actually at five, maybe even higher than that. So it's come down a little Mm -hmm. bit. Some money has come on to the Broncos because they've just been playing well recently. The Lions haven't. But there's a couple matchups here that really kind of intrigue me, specifically The Broncos' rushing defense, which is the worst in the NFL, versus an offensive line and a rushing attack with Detroit that is one of the best in the NFL. I mean, that's just a huge mismatch. Mm -hmm. So are you looking at this line at all, or are you going to be playing more player props with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs versus the Broncos' poor rushing defense, or do you have any kind of a play with the line at 4.5?
0: I do like Jameer Gibbs a good bit here just because I think the Lions will know how to use him in terms of the middle of the field, even though this pass defense seems to have improved a good bit. You know, with Patrick Sertan and guys like that, the Broncos' pass defense was never going to be that bad. The individual talent is well enough to where as long as they're coached up, then they should be okay. But I do think what Jameer Gibbs in terms of, say, crossing routes and things like that, maybe his receiving prop over may be something that I look into. But as far as the side goes, my model had this as Lions minus 3.4. So, I looked at four on BetMGM this morning and wasn't comfortable pulling the trigger and wasn't sure if it was going to move, say, in the Lions' direction. If it did, I would probably go the other direction. So I'm probably waiting to see if there is a book out there that might do four and a half, something like that. Uh, If it's not the case, then I'm probably going to look at, say, Jameer Gibbs, Montgomery, something like that, because you're absolutely right. This Broncos rush defense has been absolutely porous, and I do think the Lions being back at home, this should be a get-right spot for them. Maybe not an overall convincing win. Maybe the Broncos get some kind of a backdoor cover, something like that. I can believe that with Russell Wilson, but ultimately I think the Lions will win the game.
1: Your thoughts on tonight's game, uh, when you set this up years, months back, you didn't think it would be Aiden O'Donnell and uh, Easton Stick as the starting <laughs> quarterbacks. Man, if you did, you'd have won a lot of money on that deal. But uh, your thoughts tonight on the Chargers, Raiders, and uh, – you know, th- late in the year like that, I-, I know they're still sort of fighting for some football life because uh, they're mm-hmm. both on, you know, life support systems uh, at this point. But uh, your thoughts on tonight's game? And again, we talked about this before the show. Man, gambling and fantasy football keeps you interested. Uh, people say, oh, oh yeah. the ratings are going to tank. No, uh, th- the interest is there. Now, the NFL will never admit this. Never. But what fantasy football and gambling has done to keep everybody's interest in games?
0: Exactly. That's just it, though, is we can look at a game like this and try and parse, okay, who's going to be the, the Chargers' primary weapon in a game like this? Like, who do you trust in this spot? Because, I mean, they've had one injury after another seemingly every single week. So who do you trust at this point? And maybe if you figure something out, someone's going to get a really large air yard share, then yes, you want to pounce on that for fantasy, DFS, and betting. All of that's very important. And I think also, too, it's fun to sort of get through, say, like news and what a particular team is going to do, depending upon if they're not so much tanking, but if they're more evaluating who they have as opposed to trying to win the football game. Like this, you know, Aiden O'Connell thing is really intriguing because it's possible that he might get benched. Like he might have a short leash. He may not start at all. I don't know, but if you do have a particular idea as far as what the path is going to be, then maybe you can exploit that. So, for instance, I like Chargers plus one and a half, uh, maybe plus plus one and a half. Yeah, Chargers plus one and a half in the first half, because I do think when it comes to those scripted plays, they're going to stick with the rookie, and it's not going to turn out well. Now, he might get yanked, and in the second half, the Raiders may go nuts and just toss it to Devontae Adams and that's fine. But as far as the first half goes with a scripted plays, I feel like the chargers have an opportunity to at least have a lead.
2: And last one for you. I just want to break uh, have you break down the Buffalo Dallas game this upcoming weekend. Yeah. Buffalo, I mean, if you're looking at the AFC playoff pitcher, it's actually kind of hilarious how many teams they technically have on the bubble. There are six teams mm-hmm. with a seven and six record. And I noticed that some of them are kind of trending downwards, some of them are trending upwards. Like I don't think the Steelers are going to be with a winning record by the end of the season. I think they're trending in the wrong direction. Buffalo's a team that's fighting for their playoff lives right now. They're currently the eleventh spot in the AFC despite their seven and six record. But at the same time, on the opposite side, you have Dallas, who's currently the two seed. They have the control of the NFC East by beating the Eagles this past weekend I think this is a really intriguing matchup in Buffalo the, the lines shifted a little bit here it's I think currently favored Buffalo's favored by two points it was two and a half when we were picking earlier on the week um, so Buffalo must win game for them but at the same time it's a must win for Dallas to keep up in the NFC East
1: yeah the other thing too is so many and eyes watched them Sunday man mm-hmm. a lot of people watch it was that. a huge win over Kansas and City and so does that kind of regulate what you're going to see maybe people gambling late in the process here, waiting to see where that line settles in. Because, man, mm-hmm. uh, you couldn't walk away from that game and say that Cowboys weren't a very impressive and very physical football team.
0: Sure. And you watch that game from Sunday night, like the score was not indicative of what no. actually happened. I mean, it was a scoop and score from, yeah, from Jalen Carter. I mean, that's why. Win. Yeah, it was an absolute dominant win. I will be curious what the Cowboys are like on the road, outdoors. This is a different offense when that's the case. Now, I do believe, though, that if you're betting on props, like because the Cowboys' defense plays a ton of man coverage, this might be the Stefan Diggs show all these last couple of weeks where, you know, we got Joe Brady in there for Buffalo, and it's all about being a little bit more conservative, emphasizing the run game, the tight ends, all that stuff. I think when you've got man coverage, you're probably going to Stephon Diggs just a little bit more. So I would not be surprised if the game plan changes for the Bills. But ultimately, i probably like the under in this one. Total, I believe, was 50 and a half. Yep. I am curious if, say, Dak Prescott to CeeDee Lamb is still a good connection in that environment. And if the Bills go to the Stephon Diggs game plan that at least I would recommend – or if it's something where they're still going to emphasize the ground and pound and short passes to the tight ends. And if that's the
1: case, then. You play it in Dallas's in hands. Long? Yeah.
0: The, I yeah. mean, that's what I they did you against the
1: City. Dallas's they hands they, if you they do went that. to
2: tight end and running back more than they were their receivers against the Chiefs. But, I mean, I get your point, definitely, right. Ed, about this matchup with the, with the Cowboys. I kind of agree. I think that it could be the Stefan dig show. But at the same time, how does, you know, Dallas counter? I, I, I think the under over under line is pretty interesting. 50 and a half. Of, That seems like a lot of points, even with this matchup, because I just think the Cowboys' defense has been playing so well recently.
0: A hundred percent, absolutely.
1: Ed, thanks so much for joining us, partner. You take care, and it'll be great to have you back in the Bayou State. Thanks, Ed.
0: Absolutely. Appreciate you guys.
1: All righty. That was the host of BetQL Daily and Odyssey Sports betting insider, Ed Egros. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines on the BetMGM app.
0: Baseball is back.